0: Hello and welcome to Be About Podcast. Brought to you today, not by myself, today I'm going to be interviewed by someone else. The lovely Stephanie from Kinderama stepped forward and said that she would like to interview me. And we've heard from lots and lots of lovely ladies and so I thought it was about time that you kind of understood my story and where the brand actually came from. I wanted to bring it out at the end of 2019 because we're moving into a new decade. And I just want you to understand that this is, might be my story, but everybody has a story. And when you tell a story, some people will think you're mad for sharing, but others will step forward and say, do you know what? That happened to me. That resonates with me. That happened to my friend. Thank you for sharing that. And that's what I just want this to be. It doesn't define me. It doesn't define you if you've gone through anything bad. It's what you do with it that actually defines you. And I'm looking forward to a brand new decade, an amazing 2020, and I hope you enjoy this following podcast as much as I did share it. Hello and welcome to Bebel Bell Podcast. So this is the strangest Bebel Podcast for me, kind of, ever, um, because... I asked who people would like to see interviewed and loads of people said that they didn't know my story and I thought I'd told it loads of times and then the amazing Steph um, from Kinderama texted me and said I want to interview you so I said do you know what Christmas is coming <laughs> <Feeling generous. laughs> and this probably won't go out till the summer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I said let's do it so I am now going to try and not take control of this at all. And I'm just going to hand you to Steph. Steph,
1: welcome. Well, welcome to your own show. No this pressure. amazing. <laughs> so, Sean Horn. Now, I think everyone thinks you're English. Yes. Until you say the word Y E A R.
0: Yeah, you. Ye. Well, the you is a lazy word, like she always say, because it's come you, my you, as in E R, yeah. and the you. But it also shows
1: us that you're actually
0: Welsh. Welsh. So, born in Wales? Born in Swansea, Manston
1: Hospital. Very good.
0: Um, born and bred Welsh through and through. Um, very proud to be Welsh, um, but moved from Wales um, when I was
1: quite young. Okay. So, so, I, so your parents are both Welsh.
0: Everybody in my family is Welsh. Okay. There's no, no, nobody went off, did anything. Everybody's Welsh. Um,
1: and are you the youngest or the oldest? No. Or? So
0: I was, I was the youngest of the family, the whole family for a long time. So all my cousins were older than me. Um, I had one older sister and then when I was seven, then my next sister came along. Um, and after her two more. So there's wow. massive gaps in my family. Yeah. Um, Kim is 50. I was going to say 51 then, but she'd ring me and say, don't put, she would probably be 51 <laughs> by the time this goes out. Um, I'm 48. Okay. Emma is 40. Claire is 34. And Amy is 28. All girls, all girls, wow. massive gaps through all of us. Um, and, like I always say, my ma- my mum had a lot of miscarriages, so I always remember my mum just always being pregnant. Um, but, okay. But we ended up with five. Didn't and did you know she was having miscarriages when you yeah, were young? Yeah, most of them. Okay. Most of them, just because we were we were a very, very close family, um, and we were kind of like me, and my mum, and my dad, and my sister, especially when we moved to London, we were more, like, kind of, we had to look after ourselves. So... Okay. When I was younger, basically, I I remember very, very vividly... So I went to school very young. Okay. I was only like, I think it was two and a half, three. My mum mm-hmm. was school... She didn't push me in, by the way. <laughs> so my mum made me go to school really young. No, my mum was school secretary.
1: Ah, okay. And
0: my sister was two and a half years older than me. So she was going to school and I would just be so upset every day. And I was just this big girl. Like, I've always been big, so... You know I was tall I looked the same as my I looked older probably than my sister at that age you know as yeah. kids and I just remember it, it, it was going to be like another year I think you started school at 4 so yeah. it was going to be another year and my mum's boss said to my mum look no one will know just stick her in they, would, they
1: do now <laughs> they do know yeah. <laughs> just stick her in you'll be yeah. fine
0: um and I just loved it Aww. I was teacher's pet I was milk monitor like every day every day like I just um I would go into school with my mum so we'd be early I would go in I would lay everybody's tables for them I would set out everybody's pens and paper I would make sure the milk was ready milk monitor was like the best job of course like you glass bottles with the glass bottles but the piercing of the silver top (laughs) oh my god still I just think that that sound the old milk bottles I used to pierce them and, and then you'd hand them all out if, you know, if people were well behaved. So that, I think that's where my organisation skills come from. And the
1: rest of the class must have loved you. You must have been like class baby kind of thing, no? They didn't know.
0: Oh, they didn't know? No one knew that oh. I wasn't the same age
1: as them. It was a secret.
0: Wow. So, um, and at the time, um, I actually recently interviewed my mum for like a legacy f- to give to my nieces and nephews. And she told me that sort of at that time as well, I was about three, my grandmother had had a stroke and she lost her eyesight but I so I w- would lead her too so my mum said my grandmother would be at the top of the stairs and my mum would be like stay where you are I'll come and she'd be like no you're fine sean has got me and I would lead her downstairs take her into the living room and reverse her beep 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 <laughs> and then push her back into a chair gently and yeah yes. but she would trust me to yeah. do that wow um and then her sight did come back actually after six months but um, but I have real fond memories um, of those times. Yeah. And they're real, I think, those childhood memories, especially as you get older and perimenopause kicks in, mm-hmm. they become few and far between. But they really stand, those yes. little things. Yeah. So it's really nice to actually interview my mum as well the other day and think, actually, I do remember that. And I do remember that. And that was really lovely. Yeah. Um, I've just always had a problem remembering people and names and language. Language was always very difficult for me.
1: And do you think that's because you started school at a young age? Yeah. Well, so you didn't repeat any no, years along the way. Not
0: at all. But I did have... So we moved... So when I was about six, my dad moved to London. Okay. He had... He, my dad had gone bankrupt and um, had lots of different jobs and stuff. And my dad was a, a, amazing, real entrepreneurial mm. gentleman-like. And he moved to London and decided he'd be trained as a pub manager. And took my mum up and she agreed. And so we moved to uh, Middlesex. And um, basically the deal was that the kids weren't allowed at that time to be with trainee managers. And my mum and dad were like, look, they'll be grand. So we weren't allowed to leave the room sort of thing. And if you describe this, this sounds really weird, but it, wasn't, it was absolutely fine. Okay? okay. But as So our living accommodation was a double bed with a bank bed at the end of the bed. A sofa, a TV, and there was like a thing that you could cook on. Okay, um, and a, a bathroom toilet. So this is we, above a pub. This is above a pub. Okay. So the four of us all lived together. So my mum would work downstairs. They they would pick us up from school at three ish, whatever three thirty. Um, t- we'd go home, spend some time with our parents. Then 5 o'clock, 5 or 5.30, the pubs would open. So they would have to go downstairs. So we'd be left by ourselves. Then my mum would get her break first. And she'd come up and she'd share her dinner with me, say. Yeah. And then she'd go down. And my dad would come up and he'd share his dinner with Kim. Okay. And then they'd go back down and we'd put ourselves to bed. And So how old were you at this point? So I was six and Kim was eight and a half, I suppose. But again, so I always would look after. We only went downstairs once. Ever ever was it an emergency because mrs m was so scary she was like the cruella de Vil of the pub trade this is the, la- the <laughs> lady the landlady the landlady, oh. and you know she she'd be very nice she'd give us some pocket money if we were good and stuff but we weren't allowed to leave the room so i remember one night that i was just like it's such a panic and i was just like i have to go down my sister's dying i think she's actually dying. And so I was like i went down, I got caught on the stairs, you know, and I was like, I have to get my mum, my sister's dying. And my mum was like, what's that? I said, like, Kim is dying. She went for the toilet. She went to the toilet and it's all she's there's froth in the toilet and she's really sick. And my mum came up and she'd like bleached the toilet. <laughs> and I thought my sister was going to pass out. So I always had this... So there was nothing wrong with Nothing wrong with my Aww. sister. But, like, I can't explain, like, it was like going into war, leaving that room and walking down the stairs. The fear. Yeah. I'm going to get caught. It was like, you know, it's like the Disney yes. sort of scenario. But um, so we, found, we we looked at, we, you know, we really... And we were good at looking after ourselves. And I was good at looking after her. And she always looked after... We were very close, me and Kim. Mm. Um, and, and that was their training house. And then from there, we actually they found another training house, which was in Teddington.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And um, the guy actually was so delighted to have us and, as a family because he had a little girl.
1: Okay.
0: And we would look after the little girl. It was company for her. She was yeah. an only child. Um. So we had great fun in Teddington.
1: And again, I loved same, same thing, kind of living above the pub. Living above the pub. Okay.
0: So... um. Yeah, absolutely loved Teddington. started school there and, um, yeah, kind of just came into our own. We used to, the the people in the pub loved us. It was next to Thames TV studio. Yes. So I was big into, I was such an actress and could, yeah, always have been, like, like a bit of like, jazz hands, a bit drama. And um, so we used to get pulled in to do all the Thames TV programmes oh, when please. they ran out of kids. You know, they'd be <laughs> like, are the kids free? you know come in and do magpie and free <laughs> oh, time wow. all those mad 70s programs and into the 80s tommy cooper used to drink in the pub wow um oh yeah great like mad people amazing memories huge like everybody filmed at thames tv yeah. um and like like benny hill who's probably i can't remember something happened to him didn't he? he'd get a bad name but like his his director became very good family friend. his daughters named after me you know it's, oh, wow. it's a really good time and then my parents got their own pub um on richmond hill
1: oh wow nice. um,
0: so yeah next door neighbors to you know mick jagger and <laughs> um yeah mad really But obviously, we only lived there because my parents were publicans. Yes. Like, if anybody knows Richmond Hill, you'll know that it's probably one of the most expensive places to live in London, always has been. So I was very, very blessed to grow up there. Mm. Um, And I went to vineyard school. um, And actually, recently, I was at a cork event, a chocolate dinner and I was sat next to this amazing chef and we started talking. He lives in Richmond and we, his daughters go to my old
1: school oh and it was mad. Like. And did you feel, because R- Richmond, like you said, there's a lot of money in Richmond. Yes. So when you were going to school, did you feel part of the gang? I was completely
0: unaware of what was going on. Okay. Oh, I like, you can imagine like living in a pub, you're, you're spoilt in different ways. So like my mum and dad never had any money. but I do not remember my mum and dad not having any money. Okay. Because we were so so spot with love, like and time, time with them. Yeah, time them. was super precious because they worked. Yeah, you know, being a running a pub is a twenty four seven job, so time was really important. And we always, I remember every summer we'd have these amazing holidays. I remember, um, just that they spent time with us. I don't, oh. I just don't remember being being worse off than anybody else and I always tell the story so we, we'd go home of an evening you know and you'd be like what do you want for dinner and you could pick off the menu <laughs> so like d- d- I'm so chips. I'm so bored of steak mum this is crazy <laughs> so I would quite often say to my mates so what are you have what are you having for tea what are you having for tea and they'd be like oh I don't know beans on toast scrambled eggs." oh my god invite me to tea and and I'd be like two hours late going home and my mum would be standing on the pub door going where have you been and I, i've been for beans on and toast. i went oh man i'd scrambled eggs at laura's house it was amazing <laughs> and she'd be like i think people think that we don't, don't feed you because i we're
1: feeding you steak absolutely
0: and <laughs> i was bored of chicken Kiev and steak and you know remember the cointreau ice creams and oh yeah my dad would buy my dad would like buy these ridiculous desserts like cointreau and yeah, it was the 80s yes not, yeah <laughs> We Viennetta, yeah, and all <laughs> this, and but he'd always have like these penguins and all because my dad just loved kids, yeah, just that's and as you know, as we grew up, like the vineyard was amazing. That's when I started sort of getting more into arts, and um, and I was very like my mum and dad could never always come to everything, yes, because they were working in the evening, absolutely, but they'd always do their best, um. We got made up some strange costumes for some things. <laughs> my mum Eight. last minute. Oh Mum, I forgot to tell you I have to be this tomorrow and she'd oh, be like, no. Oh my god But she's an amazing seamstress, so we'd always get by. But um but they always taught me to step forward and be up front and and I used to, I was always a large kid. Okay. I've never been slim, I've always held weight. Um but I, but I always was Oh, this is going to sound a bit weird. I suppose I don't want to say popular, but I always
1: had loads of friends. I was going to say that nobody ever gave you a hard time.
0: No, you don't I remember, remember. I remember once. I remember, and actually, recently, my nieces put this song up, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's just such bad Flashback. manners. Yeah. Of, do you remember that awful song, "Bad Manners"? And actually, Vinnie Jones sang it on the X Factor really recently, and I was like, "Turn that off," because now I. I didn't even know why my nieces ever li- had had found it on Alexa, but uh, is it Alexa? Yeah, yeah. Um, Lip up, fatty, by Bad Manners. Oh. I remember some kids singing that to me in the playground, and they were singing it to be mean. But you didn't know what it was. Yeah, I completely got that they were being oh, mean, okay. but I was a really good dancer, <laughs> so I just started giving it socks. Oh, excellent! And which made people laugh. Yeah, which made them look like fools.
1: Which meant they had to start dancing too. Where did that come from? That's hugely powerful as a child to be able to turn around and do that. Was that your mum? Just um, my mum, my granddad, my grandmother. Just They're all
0: strong. They're all resilient people. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of was like, I always would take, I was always taught to, to flip a negative. Yeah. You know, I was always told, don't come to me with the problem, come with the solution. Let's sort it out. Okay. So that was something that was really important at a really young age. And because we were quite adult, you know, we were holding adult conversations. Yes. Because we grew up in a pub. Yeah. So if my mum and dad were busy behind the bar and we didn't want to be by ourselves, we'd be we'd sit with a group of people in the pub. Yeah. And, like, I'm still best friends with some of my dad's best friends from Richmond. Yeah. You know, I still go to the Ivy and meet Mandy and Des for a drink and... And Ronnie, his other best mate, gave me away. And oh wow, do you know what I mean? Yep. So, um, but they loved us.
1: Yes, and they're part of the family.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of the British pubs. It is a family-run pub. Well, they're all most the majority of British pubs are run by chains. Now, always, always, okay. always. So, in more rural areas, you'd have people that ha- held tenancies. Yeah, and may own okay. a tenancy. Yeah. Um but mostly in most of the cities they're run. So you have, you know, your Scottish Newcastle's your Witherspoons. Yes. Um, etc. And so my parents were paid a, you know a monthly salary and we lived above as part of that. Okay. And um people could see like my dad completely changed that pub. Um what he did with it was just amazing. And I can walk in there now at 48 years of age. We left there when I was fifteen. And I can go in there now and someone in there will go, oh my God, you're Max and Dave's daughter. No way. And they'll start telling the landlord about the good old times. Oh, Still to this day. There you go. Um, and yeah, amazing feeling. Yeah. So they really changed a lot. Like my dad was saying, we'd go and do um, Sunday school every Sunday. Me and my sister ran the Sunday school because then my dad would be like, like he was, he was doing it out of kindness, but also he was a great marketeer. Yeah. You go and run the Sunday school. The kids will love you. they want to come to Sunday lunch here. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just like, this guy's a genius. If social media was around, you'd just have it. Like, <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Um So it was a real family pub. Yes, nice. Um, and like, you know, Christmas morning, my dad, he had no boys. So like, I remember one Christmas, he bought me an organ and I was just like, I'm so unmusical. And I'm just like, what's that? I don't really get it. And he's like, look, I'll mark it out for you. It'd be great. And then I'd be like, oh, okay. And then you know, four o'clock in the afternoon comes. The pub was opened on mm-hmm. Christmas Day, and the back room. My dad's playing the Beatles. All the blokes are in there with their pints. He thinks it's the best thing that has ever happened. I'm like, <laughs> great oh, oh, yeah. present, Dad. Another year, he bought a scale electrics, <laughs> and there was betting going on. And oh, it was just you know, and we're like, great present, Dad. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Where's the girls' wool Yeah. But um, but that was just look, like, he was he was mad he was an entertainer yes like he would disappear some days you know he'd go upstairs he'd come down in a completely different outfit sometimes dressed as a woman sometimes dressed as a comedian that people knew and he'd just turn into something the life and soul of the party 100 percent center stage always always the way and we are very very similar and so we were very we clashed a lot oh okay yeah no we clashed a lot
1: so you kind of looked up to him found him funny and all of that absolutely but you were too similar as, as i got older years? we found out that, okay. that we were very similar and how did that manifest itself did you want to do stuff that he didn't want you to do or no do you know, so my
0: parents when i was about
1: 50 uh sorry
0: actually i was a little bit younger we left the pub i think when i was about 13 14 my dad, two guys had a place in Covent Garden, thought my dad was amazing. So they opened the Covent Garden wine bar. My dad was an ex-architect, so he designed the place. They opened this amazing wine bar. And, and basically, he got kind of shafted. Oh, um, and he he wasn't in a happy place. And my mum wasn't happy. And she just said, I want to go home. She was ready to go back to Wales. Mm. And I was, I was doing my GCSEs. And I was like, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Do you know what I mean? And I remember they left me in the house whilst I was doing my GCSEs. <laughs> not a great idea. Um, Yeah. Kind of party city. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm not amazingly academic. Um, I, I find, I find the written language really difficult. Okay. I, I'd like, when I first went to England when I was seven, six, seven, I, I, you know, I was in the extra class place. Mm. Um, and that's because in Wales you were taught to speak phonetically, okay. and I still write phonetically. Yeah. And actually, I, I remember a few years ago somebody laughed at my writing and said, "Oh my God, you you write like you talk," and I was like, "Yeah, exactly that." Yeah, is the problem with that? <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, that's just the way it is. Yeah. I'm not going to apologise for it. That's how I was. I was taught. So when I went first went to the UK, I did have issues. Yes. And I still. I, listen, I didn't pass English. Yeah. But I took my maths to so Lee. I'm yeah.
1: mathematically
0: minded. Okay, give me figures. Lee calls me Rain Man. <laughs> give me figures. I'm off, and I, it excites me. Okay, um, but I love. You know, I did drama. Yes, I went to college and did drama, photography, um, and How dance. Were you at college. So I went to Richmond
1: College. Okay, very frustrated. So very. Basically, quickly, my parents had left because whilst I was, more I was doing my like GCSEs, to teach the dance I did fine in my GCSEs. Teacher. I was okay. able to go and do
0: my A levels. Um, drama um, I absolutely and I picked it those three: it photography, drama. Yes, and Dance. hated it. Or actually, just hated it. And photography, my yeah, photography, I really enjoyed. But my teacher just, I don't know, didn't believe in me. Or like sometimes he pick up pictures and go, "Look at what Michelle has done." I go, "Actually, that's mine." And he goes, "No, it's not." And I'd be like, "It is, Michelle. That's definitely mine." And she'd go, "No, it's definitely Charlotte." And he go, "Okay, like it's great, but," and I'd be like. I'm not coming to this class anymore. You're rubbish. <laughs> yeah, very uninspiring. Yeah, really uninspiring. But but I enjoyed it, and I made you know I I went because my friends were going, but I'd also made the decision to stay in London by myself. My parents had bought an apartment in Surbiton. Okay. My sister was living in it, and my dad was going up and down to, to Wales, back and forth. And your mum was back in Wales. My mum had moved back to Wales. So you're sixteen, and your sisters eighteen. 18. In Surbiton. In Surbiton, um, basically, my dad finished up in Covent Garden, moved down with my mum, my sister. I don't know what happened to Kim. Oh, she moved to Wales as well. She went to work with my dad in the pub. Okay. They bought their own pub then, and it was a very quickly they realised it couldn't be a pub, so they turned it into a bread and breakfast and pub and a restaurant. Okay. And um, so I moved all my mates into this apartment in Surbiton.
1: You were just completely left to your own devices. Sixteen.
0: 17 at this point I got myself a a job in Jigsaw and I'd gone down to Wales with the the idea that I'd move to and I just couldn't and I'd worked in Jigsaw as like Saturday girl and then I was doing almost full-time whilst I was at college because I hated college and I said I'll give everything up go to Wales got down to Wales and Jigsaw rang me and said we need an assistant manager in Richmond branch will you come back and I was like, I'm 16. I've got to go back. Yeah, this is crazy. Like, this is massive opportunity. So I said, look, I'm going back. And I moved a load of my mates into Surbiton. It was when I mean, it was absolute debauchery. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I got in debt. But you
1: were working.
0: I was working. Yeah. But I was also pissing out the wall. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I thought I was a ledge. <laughs> I was earning like you know 93 pounds a week and thought I was a millionaire. Yes. And. Um, Throwing parties and
1: going, it's yeah. on me.
0: But then my dad had moved. Like, because actually, when we first moved in, we were living with my dad's chef as well. There was a big apartment, by the yeah. way. It was four bedrooms. But um who was Barry mcguigan's sister, Laura mcguigan Oh, okay. so she taught me to cook. Oh wow! So I'd, I'd be, you know, like at f- I'm going back a bit now. But at 15, I'd be chefing in my dad's kitchen in the wine bar. My sister was just—I don't think she was even 18 yet—but she used to run the front of, front of house. She was running the bar, right. Friday, we'd get our wages. We'd walk across to TGI Fridays in Covent Garden, order a bottle of champagne and 12 skins. I was 15 and she was 17. We thought we were the dogs. A bottle of champagne? bottle of champagne, potato skins, because it was payday.
1: That's unreal. We just had no clue. But you definitely had a work ethic from very young. I just worked so hard, always worked.
0: I worked, like my first job was at six. I took. I used to take Rubik's Cubes to school and sell them for my dad's mate, Ronnie, who was a market trader. Really? I'd <laughs> say by nine, I was working in the fruit and veg shop because I was the only one that could get keep the job because it was automatic maths. Adding up the stuff. Yeah. Adding up the stuff. Um, at 13, I got my first work permit, which allowed me to work um, eight hours a week over two four-hour sessions um, from the local council. And I worked in Lillian Skinner's um and by the time I was 15 when you could work 16 hours I was running Saturdays I was the duty manager and I was always the best salesperson um and then at 16 went to Jigsaw so I'd always had a job since
1: like six seven eight and did the sales part of those jobs did that you know did you get a buzz from that You know
0: what? I never knew I was a salesperson to me I was just telling people about good stuff Oh, okay Honestly. That's the trick to it, isn't it? Well, I honestly never knew I was selling. Yeah. I was just like, you have to have those shoes. Those shoes are amazing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because actually. You are believed... just
1: very honest and true.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And actually, when I worked for Jigsaw, I'd get told off sometimes because my I'd have real regular customers. And sometimes they come in and say, Sean, look, I'm going to this event and I'm looking for this. And I go, we don't have it. But I saw it in Hobbs. Pop over to Hobbs, go and get it. And my boss would be at the top of the stairs yeah, and he'd look down me. and go, uh, what are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, but she just spent a thousand pound with me last week yeah she'll be back and she wants this you want an honest sales assistant 100 yeah. percent. so i was really good at i knew what was in every shop yeah so actually they just i was actually a stylist yeah because they just come to me and they go have you got this Sean? i need this and i go no but they have it in dickinson jones yeah do you know what i mean and i'd yeah. send them off to other places now these days i'd be like "Jesus, i should have asked commission yeah. um but yeah so it was just natural for me so it never was sales it was helping people yes Directing them to the right place, and Which it wasn't always good. taking yeah. the sale. So, so yeah. So basically, I tried. Whereas well I came back, moved on my mates in, worked for Jigsaw, and then was with them in Richmond for about a, a year, I'd say. And they promoted me. I was seven, just seventeen. I was probably nearer eighteen actually. And they promoted me. They gave me Hampstead, uh, one of their branches. So I was now a manager of people. That's um, unreal. 17? Sorry, I was definitely 17 because okay. I got sacked before I was 18. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, dear. So
0: I was 17 and, oh, my God, yeah, it was so awful. Oh, no. I was, I was just rubbish because I'd only worked for one person, really, okay. in Jigsaw. This guy, AD Glitter was his name. Um, Hilarious. fab name. But an absolute bitch. Oh. Oh, my God. Horrendous. Like, so he just comes down, girls, do that, do this, do that, do this. So you because I was always brought up to respect authority, I just would do it. Whereas other people go, no, actually I'm not doing that. You can't talk to people like that. Blah, blah, blah. And they'd leave. And I'd be like, I had this lovely relationship with him, but he wasn't just mean. I'd look back and go, Oh my God. Like he's like, if a parent would come in, and actually this is quite funny, but um, one day, this is so awful. I don't know if I can say this online. Um, one day this woman came in with her daughter. Her daughter must have been five or six years of age. He's behind the reception desk Uh, the till like and the mother's looking and I'm serving the mum Mm. the little girl starts talking to him he says go over to that woman me and tell her she's a fat what I can't remember I think it was the worst word oh god and this little kid comes up to me and goes excuse me (gasps) you're a fat and he runs up the stairs and this woman's like doesn't know where it's come from I saw him do it I was, like, mortified. The woman's mortified because her daughter's just said this. I was like, look, don't even worry about it. But I was just like, who does that to
1: somebody? That's just mean. Very mean. I don't know. It's bullying, and it's bullying in the worst kind of way. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Very strange. And it's so weird, actually, because as my... So I went to Hampstead, and when I left Richmond, and he was still there, he actually moved to Covent Garden. And I remember him ringing me for advice, and one day, and I was just like, this is just too weird. I was really struggling because I only had one idea of what a manager should be. And so that was I, him. Can, yeah. And yeah. so I, I mean, I never did anything no, mean, no. but, but I would say, look, we have to do this, this, this. And I would expect it to be done mm. and it wouldn't get done. And you have to remember, like, people knew I was 17 and they were in their mid, late 20s and they hadn't got a shop. And I was like, this is a struggle.
1: Yeah, and nobody it doesn't sound like anyone prepared you for that. There was oh, no I training or Oh, I was so unprepared. And
0: actually when the day I got the sack, <laughs> so, so awful. So someone at head office rang me and said, Helen, who owns Jigsaw, Helen's on her way down. She's gonna sack you, quickly hand in your notice and give a month a three months notice so you'll get paid. Oh wow. Very that lovely, so very lovely lady. I think they probably looked and went, This girl's seventeen. Yeah. And, and so they I, put you in that situation. Yes. Now, in Fenestra, when she first... Now, this is like a different time.
1: Because
0: mm. I remember her coming down. She was angry because the rubbish hadn't been taken out on my day off. I'd left a note for the girls. Can you take the, leave the rubbish that's out?
1: That's what you were getting the sack for. Or well, I was shit anyway. Okay. But,
0: <laughs> but this thing about the rubbish, she, I remember she, got, she had me against the wall. You're joking. I mean, you couldn't do that these days. But th- that's ha- the world that we lived in. And I remember looking at her petrified and went, I went, I I need to give him my notice anyway. And I gave her the letter, just thinking, Oh thank God. And while she, she had
1: you up against the kind wall. of. Oh my god.
0: And she said, and I said, Look, I you know, I have to I'm just not prepared. And she goes, I'll be completely honest with you, Sean. Never did I think you were seventeen. I thought you were twenty five. Okay. And I said, That's fair enough. And she goes, No. So she kind of took responsibility. She still hated me, but she couldn't. and she had to pay you for three months then. Absolutely, thank God. <laughs> that day I left, I went straight off the train to Richmond, went into the Bullenbush and Bush pub opposite Richmond Station, and a guy Michael that ran out at the time, and I was like, "Oh, I suck. And he was like, "Come work here," and I was like, "I'm, I'm, yeah, okay." And then I was like, "Oh shit, no!" Because I've been drinking in there for years, and I'm seventeen. Oh, it's going to kill me. <laughs> And I was like, Michael, I think we need a word. And I was just about-ish to turn 18 and he was like, look, I can't take you on. I okay. said, you're a nightmare. He said, but he said, a friend of mine's looking for a chef down the road in a wine bar. I went, I can do that. No problem. <laughs> so went down, met with the guy. We used to drink in this wine bar all the time. Faked my age. And um, he said, look, tomorrow is Beaujolais Day, it's November beginning of November isn't it or the 18th something and he goes tomorrow's Beaujolais day so we have the Richmond Society of um diners come in there's just uh 12 of them so <sighs> um this is the menu and I looked at the menu and I was like okay uh, Mules Marinette don't know what that is oh god uh, Beef Bourguignon <gasps> and Paris Breast so I was like okay I know how to do this so I rang up my mum and dad's Old suppliers, and I was like, yeah. Have you got Paris Breast? They said, Yeah, but it's frozen. I said, Just send it down, send it down. <laughs> so they sent me Paris Breast, and um, he'd ordered the mussels. So they were arriving the next morning, and he said, Go down to the butcher's and get the meat. So I had no idea how to um, portion meat. No. So I just said to the butcher, Just give me 12, like, handfuls and a couple spare. So I left. Like, I, he had big hands, this butcher. <laughs> So I basically, so to cut my story short, I, I, I cooked the, the muscles, I was like, oh my God, what the hell is a mussel? I've never seen one. They had like beards, everything. This is
1: way before the days of Google. Oh, you couldn't. Yeah, Absolutely. So I've got this do.
0: cookbook, run down WH <sighs> Smiths, get this cookbook, and they like clean the muscles, take off all the beards. Oh my God. Was it was just so war. disgusting. And I was and I was like, it's really hard work. Yeah. Like, this is not what I signed up for. No. So I, I do it anyway. I take the beards off. Um as much as I can, chuck them all in this pan, make a sauce. Uh-huh. Sauce has shell in it and <laughs> sand, 100%. Yum. <laughs> and I serve these massive plates <gasps> with three mussels on them and shell ridden <laughs> sauce. So I was like, that do. It was the time of lean cuisine. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I send them out. They won't be expecting much, the Beaujolais cups. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> Beauf Bourguignon. I made enough birth Bourguignon. That we he fed he, we froze it and he fed 150 people at his daughter's christening. <laughs> <laughs> this is brilliant. And the Paris press was still frozen. Oh no. and they invited me in, you know, the the chef comes in. And you know, normally the chef goes in with the whites and they think, I think I was just covered in crap. Walked in like a 17-year-old idiot. But they must have and been and they com- all applauded. No way. No, no, all applauded me. They could see from my face. I didn't have a clue and I left there and I said to my mate come on we're going down to Don Fernando's best tapas restaurant in London and Richmond um, because I said I'm just knackered walked down to Don Fernando's they said what do you want and I said you know what I'm going to try that Mills Marie now. I've just had to cook it for a load of people and this bowl arrived with like 50 mustards in it and I was like oh my god is that what it looks like and he was like yeah and I told him what I did and they were the whole restaurant was just in hysterics oh. And I was like, oh, my God, there's no shell in your soul. you were lucky
1: you didn't kill anyone. Well,
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but that was the worst. And I actually became a very good cook um, through all the mistakes. Did and you
1: keep that job? I, I to kept know. that
0: job until my 18th birthday. He sacked me on my 18th birthday. What a dick. What an absolute <laughs> dick. Like, I've been shit for weeks. You could have got <laughs> it in before. Um, and, and I didn't make any money there because you'd finish work and he'd say, do you want a drink? And then at the end of the month, he'd take he'd it off a tab, the drink. And you'd oh. be like... I thought that was free. Do you know what I mean? So didn't make any money. Lots of lessons learned though. Absolutely. But I went straight back to the Bull and Bush. They had a wine bar as well. I said, "Look, I'm I'm, I'm good 18. at this now. Yeah. And I'm 18. And he said, "Come in." Um, and I and I worked there, and um, I absolutely loved it. Um, great crack, great team. Um, the manager left, and this relief manager came in, and I was about 19 then at the time. I'd been there about seven months. And um, I just felt mad for this relief manager. Okay. And how old was he? He was about five or six years older than me. Okay. I won't say his name because he's a wanker. (laughs) But um, we'll just call him that. We'll just call him the wanker. (laughs) And um, but through him, we became pub managers together. And we did the relief circuit. So that means you go and you'd cover everybody's holidays. So we did Dorset, we did, you know, Midlands. We, we just travelled around and around for a good year, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Which sounds fun. Sounds fun. It was grand. But actually, he as a person wasn't a nice person. Okay. And that was actually very abusive. Okay. Um, And I know we were talking off earlier and, you know, I never thought that could happen to me. Yeah. And I actually didn't realise it was happening to me. No, because it's yeah. slow. And the first inkling that was happening to me, my cousin came to stay with us and we were in the South Coast doing a relief. And I said something he didn't like and he threw a drink at me. Oh. And that was the first, but he'd never really done anything weird before. And I was like, this is really strange. Mm. And my cousin said to me, you, she had obviously nearly killed him, but then she said to me, you, you, you need to get out of this. And I was mm. like, this is awkward. We were contracted together. Oh. Anyway, he, everything was fine and we got a pub in Bristol. And it was doing really well. And he was really like he wanted to be successful and all mm. this. And a very different, you know, very different from me, um, a little bit quieter. Um but then weird things started to happen. Mm. Um little signs. Little signs. You know, this um can I go out on Saturday night with my friends? Of course you can go out, like who's gonna be interested in that? Oh. Um just, and just, I was, I would eat to annoy him. Self destruction
1: kind of one hundred percent. Yeah,
0: he pissed me off, and I'd just get a burger and go, Are you "All right," because I knew it would annoy him. Yeah, um but but uh, yeah, but then so he he was physically abusive, and would apologise profusely.
1: So that that that's a big step from that yeah. kind of real mind games. Of you know who'd want that? Yes. To the first time a physical something happened. Yeah. And the first time it happened, you thought what? Oh, the first time. There's just an excuse. Like, I must have
0: wound him up. I must have done okay. something. I did. It. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I did. I yeah. did. He's so apologetic. He loves me. I know he loves me because he just gave me money to go to Bath to buy hob shoes. Mm. I had a lot of hob shoes. Yeah. Because that was the way that he, he would get around me. Yeah. Um. And then one night we went to a club and he actually, because it was always in secret. Okay. And I came back one day and this is how we'd, I I knew there was a problem because he was in the cellar and he was burning something. I was, I'd been out with my friends and I came home and I was like, what are you burning? I looked in the bin and he was burning my uh, address books. Oh. So this is before the time of mobiles yeah
1: he's eliminating your con- so, contact yeah of absolutely and I remember I had this
0: really expensive leather filofax with all everybody in mm. and I'm I just popped my ha- put my hand in the fire and got it and I burnt my hand and, and I was like what is wrong with you like and he's like try and ring your friends now and we lived in Bristol but he he'd never we were always too busy my family lived in Wales mm. we could he never, never go do you know what I mean and so I was like, okay, I need to be clever here because I need to get out of this. But I didn't know because we were contracted together. It was really important for me to have, I, I'd worked hard. Yeah. Um, you didn't want to lose that side of things yeah. as well. And it was funny because um, I never forget, I we went out one night and um, on the way home through Bristol Broadmead, we saw a ram raid. Oh, as you do. As you do. Um, but David had beat me up. As we were walking home, and he'd never done it in public before, to the extent where I was on the floor and he kicked me. But this is the best thing that ever happened (laughs) for me. Yes. So we'd we'd witnessed a ram raid, and this detective inspector came into the pub to speak to us about the ram raid, because I'd rang at the time. And he said to David, Do you go over there? He said, "Um, Can I just have a word with your wife? He said, Because I think she saw more from the camera angle and blah, blah. And this guy's name was Andy Palmer. And he said to me, look, he said, we, having looked at the, the cameras, do you need some help? They saw. They saw. Wow. And I went,
1: oh, I was mortified. I'm actually getting yeah. That's okay. It brings it all back. Take a breath. But it was sheer embarrassment. I know. Yeah, I absolutely know. 'Cause you think somebody's seen that, somebody's seen that person do that to me and I've let them do yeah. it. And you know, that's this is gets even
0: weirder now. So during that week, David was in the office. Oh, I just said his name. Wanka was in the office. And um the phone rang and he picked it up. And who had been my best friend, Sam, all my time in Richmond and everything, she had rang the old flat in Surbiton by accident. My sister was now living in that flat. Mm. My sister picked the phone up, put it down, said, You know, wrong, she doesn't live here anymore, put the phone down. Sam rang back and said, Is that Kim Horn? Is that Kim? And she said, Yes. And she said, oh, You must give me Sean's number. And we'd lost complete contact. Wow. So this day, I heard David on the phone and he was like, Yeah, who is it? And he was, she was like, Sam. And I'll never forget it to the day because I, picked the, I grabbed the phone off him and I said, Sam. And she went, oh, Do you love to take that? <laughs> It was the first thing she said to me. <laughs> do you love to take that? And um, she, she say, and what? I went, oh, my God, yeah. I said, give me your number. And I remember going down the road. I remember ringing her mm. and telling her what was going on. And I said, I need to get back, but I need to do this strategically. And we'd just gone for an interview for a pub in Wimbledon Village. And so I said, to Dave, I, I want to go back to London. We applied. We got the pub. We moved into this pub and I started learning his side of the business. Yeah. So I started watching him when he was filled. I just said filtering the beer. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we did that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't
1: believe I just said
0: that. It's completely illegal. When
1: he was changing a barrel When the he was tests, changing
0: a barrel. Yes. I used to no, I watched everything he did. Because yes. I was the cook and I was front of house. Okay. And I got to know everybody and ev- you know, I made sure that was my pub. Yeah. And it just got to the point, nothing changed. I, I would often stay at my friend Sam or Joanna's house in, because he'd be kicking off. But I knew there was an end to this. And they all knew? Uh, just my two friends okay. knew. I didn't think anybody in the pub knew. But mm. sooner or later we found out they did. But I remember doing, it was it was a Wimbledon fortnight and I used to always do this massive barbecue out the front of the pub in our gardens. And I said to him one night, I don't know why you're with me anyway David like you don't love me yeah and he went but I think you're a really really nice person he said that to you yeah and I went we this has to finish and we went on a boat trip with my boss and I told my I said to my boss I can't be with him and the next two days later we got pulled into head office and they said look you understand now you've told us that you've separated your contractors and null and void and I was like oh my god I feel sick um and he did nothing for me all the time that we were with each other. And the only thing he ever did for me, they said to him, David, you are the you have more um understanding of the business. The swan will be yours. Sean, we're gonna put you we know you know Teddington, there's a pub in Teddington. And David said, I'm not going back to that pub. And they said, Why? And they said, Because that's Sean's pub. Wow. Everybody in that pub loves her. And if I go back without her, they'll, they'll, they'll ostracize you. me. So you'll have to let her have that pub. And I went back to the pub. He moved out two days later. They threw me that massive party. So many people come up to me and went, we knew it wasn't you falling off the bike. We knew it wasn't this. And they, oh my God, they looked after me. Wow. Like I was the landlady, but I, I was the they child. Wrapped. They wrapped oh. them. So it was the most amazing pub. But again, I don't think, I wasn't really ready. And I was 24 and I was coming up to, and I was just like, all my friends were travelling. They were all having these great jobs. And I was just working all the time. And unless my friends came to my pub, I just didn't see them. And I was like, it's time to go. So I handed in my notice, not having a clue what I was going to do. Um, and I went to, I was a member of David Lloyd Gym. Okay. And I said, like, are you looking for any staff? So I literally left the pub, started working in David Lloyd as a receptionist. Um, and got a part-time job in Evans, ladies clothes, because I knew that too. And I was like, between the two of them, I'll sort myself out. And then Evans said, we're looking for a fitting model. Um, it's a really good job. It's up in Oxford Street. Um, it's only two days a week, but it's the same as working full-time. And so I used to work in David Lloyd yeah. in the mornings. So and I go up to Oxford Street twice a week and do fittings. And then a friend of mine said, I want to close my club down. Will you run it until I finish it? And so then I used to run a club three nights a week as well. As you do. So as Three you do. jobs at the same yeah. time. Well, quite often I would go from the club to reception because we used to have to be there at five. A little bit wobbly, has yeah. to be said. Um, and yeah, had the time of my life. And that was you
1: finding yourself without Absolutely, him. Yeah, and, 100%. And being Knowing in- that
0: I was a good person yeah, and I, I put on a lot of weight. I was a size 24, 26. Um, but Evans loved me because that was their world. Yes. And and that's quite nice. You know, that's rare amazing. to find that. Well, I was doing catwalks in Birmingham in, in knickers and a bra, and I thought I was amazing. But, you know, we were dancing down the catwalk and we we just had a lovely time. There was no inhibitions of my body. There was nothing. You know, everybody was stripping naked backstage. Wow. didn't matter if you were a size 6 or a size 30. Everybody was just having the crack and that's an amazingly positive experience to have huge yeah, huge because I, i'd i used my body against him yeah i thought if i get bigger he won't come near me yes do you know what i yeah. mean um and then obviously you got to try and lose it but i made the decision then i was really enjoying the health and fitness industry and a management position came up okay and i suppose i was about 27 then 28 i'd done my parting in the nightclub i've worked in pubs i'm you know and I like drink, yeah. and I was like, I'll just die doing this. Yes, and um, became a manager for David Lloyd, and I said, right, okay, I have to give up the fitting if I'm going to lose weight. Yeah, I'm going to do this, and I'd never been small, but I got down to like 1820. I'm probably size 20ish now, um, but I loved it. You felt more comfortable in your own skin, absolutely, yeah. and. And I loved working for David Lloyd. It was great because were 11 departments. Yes. So every day I was doing something different. I loved, you know, having my thumb in every pie and whatever. So I did that and popped over to Ireland one weekend with the girls and went on a wicked trip in Dublin. Never forget getting on the plane and the Irish music was playing. And I remember my friend, she's going to kill me now, Joanna, going, Oh, great, fiddly D music. <laughs> and I went, You do know where we're going, don't you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're going to Dublin. Anyway, had the best time, met the best people. We ran out of money. A taxi man took us home, Ran out of money the second night. A pony and trap man took us home. I was just like, This place is just phenomenal. <laughs> staying when, in a hotel, type, staying in like, a, I don't know, a squalor at the back end of oh, right, Connell okay. Street. We didn't have a lot of money. Um, but just had the best time, went back and said, my boss said, he had a go at me for something. I said, you know what, if we had a place in Dublin, I would be gone. And he went, well, funny you should say that. Come into the office. And he said, well, look, we're opening in Dublin um, and no one wants to go. And they need oh. two managers to go over to set it up and whatever. And I said, how, how long? Yeah. And he went, six months to two years. And I went, I'll, I'll do it. Let's do it. And I was gone within four weeks. Wow. And um, arrived on St. Patrick's Day, 2000. Traffic, can you imagine again? Yeah, I, what had a welcome. To, I had to get to Klontski <laughs> from the airport. I think it took me like two and a half hours. And then we just, I remember just arriving, and Roger was the manager. He'd come from the UK as well. He was waiting for me. And we walked upstairs, and we, there's a balcony at David Lloyd, and we just stood in the balcony and watched the fireworks. Wow. And I was like, okay, there's. So you knew nobody here? No one. No one at all. No, no, no one. I don't know what I was thinking, but, but it was, it was easy enough. I, I, I made an amazing friend very quickly. Um, Helen uh, was from Thurless and, um, and funny enough, I, I, we made friends cause I pissed her off. I teased her about something and she's like, oh, check you out. And then she, and I was laughing and she went, come on then we better go for a drink. And we went over to the local pub across the road, O'Shea's and Carmel O'Shea ended up being my best friend. Oh. Um, and unfortunately we lost her, um. 10 uh, ten years ago so um but she was my absolute rock yeah she took me everywhere um and she was amazing um so I was very very fortunate and in like I do look you know along the way I suppose it actually was right that I ended up there um in 2008 then my remit for my job was actually to f- franchise out a lot of the business within the four walls okay and so I decided I would buy the spa off them because I loved the beauty side of the business. Okay. And I trained as a beauticians. I didn't complete, but I, I did the work at Galligan's and they're amazing. And um, so I took over the spa um, and very quickly I opened a second one in Bray. And within a year, Bray was foreclosed on, not by me. I would put it in another gym and they were foreclosed on. I turned up Saturday morning and everything was shut down. Oh um but in that year like I learnt loads so you know don't get excited and don't grow too big too mm, quick yeah um I met my partner that year I came down to Cork my friends had all met a load of
1: let's not gloss over that I, I met my partner that year yeah yeah, yeah yeah your partner Lee yes tell me how right. you met Lee
0: so I I just started working for myself actually I remember him always joking that I said to him would you like to see my tinted window <laughs> in my car <laughs> But I thought they were You're really such cool. Just me, the talker. I know. This <laughs> oh, is, yes, is when me and my dad have lots in common. We're both cheesy as shit. Like. <laughs> but um, yeah, I can't even believe I ever said that, but it just always makes me laugh. But um, I went to my friend's wedding in, in um, Blarney. Okay. And I was actually with another shithead fella. <laughs>
1: you don't land the first time round.
0: No, you don't. <laughs> no, he wasn't mean to me though. He, okay. he just
1: well uh, he's less of He a wasn't shithead. physically
0: mean to me. He was just okay. a bit like tormental, but then he'd say probably say the same about me. But he he just didn't want to be with me. Yes. We were just the wrong people. You're just yeah, tormenting yeah, each other. I just I just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But we just I suppose fancied each other whatever. But um I went to this wedding. I think I I went I saw Lee and was just like he's really nice. And we were all sat outside chatting, and everybody kind of left. And I ended up sitting outside for about an hour chatting to this guy who is so far away from what I go for, is unbelievable. Like, I always envisage this businessman, right? Because I liked business. And, you know, I, I live in, you know, I am Alexis Lexis Carrington, and I need <laughs> someone like that. And this bloke with the ponytail down to his ass, covered in tattoos, chatting away to me. And I'm like, this bloke's hilarious.
1: Is, is he Irish? He's from Cork. Okay.
0: Um,
1: of course but, he's amazing. <laughs> absolutely. But he's
0: he's just like, but he's so funny. But do you know what? Straight away you could just see he was so kind. Okay. Wow. And I was like, oh God, this guy's lovely. And I went back to Dublin and... Um, Dumped the shithead. Yeah, well, oh yeah. Well, we didn't really need dump it. We weren't even together. We were just like farting about. But... Um, yeah, I was like, "How am I going to tell my friends I fancied this guy?" Because he's so far away from me, and what they uh, their expectations as well. And I was like, "Why does it matter what they oh. think?" And so I was like, "Well, I won't tell them, yeah, I don't." Because also my friends are real teasers. Okay, so I was like, they might ruin it. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So I just like would visit my friends all the time down in Cork, and every time I came down, he never came out. Oh. So I was like, well, he obviously didn't feel the same and you know um he's his best friend jerry who i love me and jerry would end up having these mad conversations and heart to heart did you not tell him no i couldn't tell anybody and then i remember oh my god then i remember after about six months my friend came back and she's like oh my god had a mad weekend in cork i snogged that one lee and i was like (gasps) i just felt my heart just go (laughs) oh no and she's like And I was like, oh, okay, this is just awful. And I was like, so did anything happen? She was like, oh, no, I was just drunk. I think I attacked him or, do you know what I mean?
1: And it was hilarious. Okay.
0: And I was like, okay, okay, okay. Anyway, come the January, unfortunately then my dad fell ill at Christmas. Okay. But our other two friends um, were getting married in the February. So, I was staying in Dublin that Christmas and I remember going. Um, I used to go to this lovely girl, Karen, um, who used to work at Cowboys and Angels. She was blow drying my hair, and I got a phone call from my mum saying, Look, you need to come home. Oh, wow. Dad is very sick. So, I was like, Okay. So, couldn't get home, had Christmas dinner with my friends, and got a Stephen's Day, Boxing Day, first thing in the morning, got back. Um,
1: what did your dad have? He'd, it, had he been ill for a while? Um, he was ill, but we
0: didn't know he was ill. Oh, okay. So we knew something was going on. Yeah. He'd lost a lot of weight. Okay. And he had problems with his arteries and his legs.
1: This is really strange. I never sorry right. about this. Take your time.
0: But I got home. And he wouldn't speak to anybody. And then he kind of just turned to us and said, I've got cancer and I'm dying. And it's Christmas. Yeah. And there's nobody around. So no one could tell us what was actually happening. Okay. And bless him, he was always scared of that. Yeah. So um, I just turned into... What are we going to do? We're going to get this sorted Yeah. And so, you know, straight away, ring his pals. And we're like, no, we can sort this. Um, It's primary, it's liver. They just take that bit off. No one dies from primary liver cancer. Like, it's completely curable. What are you talking about? And anyway, through the jigs and the reels, um, it wasn't curable. There was too much going on. And... We tried to, like, we, we tried... I remember we tried to take him home. Me and my sister came back um, the first week of January. And then my mum collapsed. Oh. And my little sister was little. Oh. You know, she was 17. And she rang us in the middle of the night. Daddy's sick. He was in... We'd got him home, but mum has collapsed. She was calling the ambulance. and I was just like, I've just got to go home. So I had mum in one hospital on one side of the city and dad dying in the other side of the city so I would go down pick up mum after the doctor checked her we'd sneak her out the hospital we'd drive her down to dad she'd spend the day with dad we'd drive her back doctor would see her we'd drive her back we'd drive her back and she was like but I feel fine and I'm like you just anyway so your mum wasn't Necessarily diagnosed with anything, she just. But they'd found a lump in her breast. Okay. Which obviously then panic. Yeah. Um. And then, do you know what? It's not really upsetting, but it was just beautiful, watching my dad die. Because. So my we'd stayed there the night. Me and my mum. I stayed with my mum all the time, and then my sister Kim and Claire, they were there, and then they went home for a break. And mum had come in and I just heard my mum saying to him, it's, it, it's all right. Yeah. My mum has this amazing sixth sense and she sees things that other people don't see. And she, she knew that people were coming for him. Yeah. And I rang my sisters and I was like, just get back. Just yes. turn the car around and get back. And I just remember the traffic, I was looking outside going, the traffic. And they didn't get back in time.
1: It's all right. Take it We broke my little sister's
0: heart. Yeah. But it was so peaceful and it was beautiful. Yeah. And I loved that he met my
1: mum at 11. Wow. They'd been together all that time. But he waited for her to tell him. Yes, that it was okay to go. God, I'm such a sop. (laughs) No, not at all. I'm going to run across the other side of the studio and get you some tissues.
0: Oh, dear. I haven't talked that about that for a long time. So, yeah, so like, and it's weird because I, my dad would always talk about being scared of dying. And actually, now I'm not.
1: Yeah, because you've seen it and you can see how peaceful and oh my god, when you're ready that you're just ready to go. 100%. Yeah. It, it was,
0: and like, you know, he was diagnosed on Christmas Eve and he was, he passed on the ninth of January. Wow. And then my friend rang me and said, look, I completely understand if you don't want to come to the wedding, which was on the 22nd of February. And I looked around the table at my sisters and I was like, that fella's going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> and they went, book a flight. <laughs> <laughs> book a
1: flight. Was your mum okay? I just have to check. Was your my mum was
0: amazing. So amazing. And actually it's so weird um, because my mum, my dad, did everything and my but my mum did it all yeah my like we ran this amazing restaurant in wales my dad was the chef my mum cooked it all yeah my mum prepped everything my mum did everything for him yeah she's unbelievable like she is like all our christmases were at my mum and dad's house my my mum's i remember. i can't remember was it her 50th birthday my dad we all took her down to the pub down the, my dad told her there was a, a surprise birthday party coming in christening or something coming okay. to the pub yeah she did the whole catering it was her birthday No, he took it down the pub down the road got all the family to come in and she went back she catered her own party <laughs> when like when she was given she her waters broke as she was doing christmas dinner when when i was seven i never forget my dad said can you not finish the gravy <laughs>
1: And then they had to call someone in the pub to go and take her to the
0: hospital. Oh
1: God, drop her off. Do you know what I mean? You know. Like he will be, he be back by dinner time?
0: <laughs> he's just he was something different. Yeah. Like, but my mum is just phenomenal and still is phenomenal. Like, so the she lump didn't around. turn out to be anything. So no, and that okay. was awful. So I remembered uh, that like after he pa- the day after he passed away, we had to go get the results and the results oh. weren't ready. And that was the first time I really lost it. Yes. I was like, no, thinking no, no. I can't do this as well. Absolutely, yeah. can't deal with this. Um, so, yes, my mum is absolutely fine, fit and healthy. Um, oh, there's a the story there, but fit and healthy, but is amazing. No, I want the little story. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> much, we're going to go ahead, we're oh, going to okay, go, go further. So, I'll, I'll get to it in a bit. Um, but, um, yeah, so. My sister said, Look, you have yep. to go to this wedding, you'll be grand. And actually, it was the best thing. It was, you know, it was a good five weeks after my dad had passed, and you need to be around people yeah, you need when you're release. ready. Yeah. Yeah, you need. And, and, like I always say to people with grief, I never experienced grief until I lost my best friend. And it was that's when I really understood it because it is and has to be a celebration, mm. and life does go on everybody deals with it in different ways and I see it with my mum my mum went through this she'd always you know always was my dad's best friend and so when he part then you know about six months whatever she just like I go off to France drive to France and go and do this and go and do that and she's and and she went so that I think it was anger that he'd left her um and now she talks about him in that hero way yeah you know, but she, he was her hero. I mean, they were together all their life, basically. Yeah. And um, so I, I turned up, at this wedding, and I was like, "No, Lee's going to be there," and he just didn't talk to me all day. <laughs> I was like, Are "You fucking kidding me?" Like, um, and I think about half eleven, I kicked him in the back of the leg because I'm so mature, and went, <laughs> not, "You're not going <laughs> to speak to me or what?" And we sat, we sat up to like four or five o'clock talking. He said, I've heard about your dad. I'm so sorry.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then we're just sat chatting and, and that was it. And th- then it was never kind of, we did the long distance thing. Yeah. Um, and then we had. Which is tough. Yeah, it is tough. Especially the road wasn't there when we first started going out. So it the took new me the like four and a half the new route. <laughs> it took me like four and a half hours. And there were plenty yeah. of times I couldn't get down. Yeah. Because of flooding or weather or whatever. But um, yeah, straight away, it was a different relationship for me. This person told me I was amazing all the time. And I accepted it. That's that's brilliant. I mean, I'd just be like, uh, where is he? I'd be like, you know, if, I'd, if there'd been more tech, I'd be like, he's so Googled that. Do you know what I mean? I'm so cynical. I'd be like, but he'd send me these amazing messages. I just walked around like a peacock all oh. the time, just going, can't touch me. Uh, this person's just told me I'm the shit, like. It's amazing. Yeah. I never really had had that before. Not since school. I had a lovely boyfriend at school that I treated badly. But... Um, Do you want to say sorry to him now? Yes, yeah, sorry, Dom. <laughs> but um, he was amazing. And actually recent about a year ago, I became Facebook friends with him. And I was like, oh, God, this is a bit weird. But he was just such a dote, And he's married with kids. And Aww. he's lovely. But, um, but we split up as well. Lee didn't want children. Okay. I was desperate for children. Are you a similar age? Um, he's two years younger than me. Okay. Well, he's, say, three. Two and a half. Um, My husband, too. <laughs> yeah. He loves it. So yeah, absolutely. It's the way to work it. Um, so we had, we did split up over okay. that. Yeah. And then we got back together with me saying, you know, we've got back together You kn- on the premise that you know I'm having children. And he'd be like, you know, you got back together on the premise you know we're not. Okay. And very quickly, we realised we were.
1: What age were you now? 37. Okay.
0: So... That's
1: when we, and I said, Let, let's try for kids. Well, hang on a second. There must have been a point you were trying for kids in the same county. No. Oh. So I basically bought those piss sticks.
0: <laughs> and I, I will never forget it. The first time we ever tried. I was like, so you pee on the stick. And the smiley face, Yeah, smiley yeah. face comes up. And I was at work. And I said, I remember saying to Emily. I've in got to Dublin. Go. In Dublin. I've got to go. And she's like, "What? Well, so said, you'll have to cover me for the next 24 hours. Drove <laughs> down to Cork. He was. He just. He came home from five-a-side football. He's going to kill me. Five-a-side football. I'd, now, in fairness, I've been to Marks and Spencer to do a romantic meal, <laughs> but thinking we would better get a shift in before that. <laughs> <laughs> and he. I remember him walking in, going, "You've got to be kidding me!" Like I've just come home from football, and I'm like, uh, "Smiley face. Come on, <laughs> chop chop. There's a job to be done." Um, and we got pregnant straight away. Okay, from that trip.
1: <laughs> that from that, that
0: trip. Okay, but. Um, and yeah, amazing. And then I, I think most people know my story, but um, I I don't know your story. You don't. So so, so you fell pregnant first time. First time. Happy days. You're thinking absolutely. And then um, I was very conscious that I had to wait till 13 weeks for a scan. Okay. And about 11 weeks, I just felt like I wanted a scan. I don't know why. Okay. So we went to the Beacon, and had a scan, mm-hmm. and found out that the baby was no longer. Okay. So I've cried enough this morning, I'm not crying about this. Um, so that was like the first horrific time. So what happens then? Do, do you have so to go then, through a procedure? Yeah, so then yep. you have to go and, you know, I worked in a big gym. I knew half of the nurses in there. So I spent all day, uh, you're okay, you're okay. Devastated, obviously. Yeah. Um, baby probably died a week or so before okay. we had the scan. Um, and then you have to queue. You have to go down to the hospital and queue where everybody else is cooing um, and they're all having babies. Um, and then you get checked in for your DNC and whatever. And I, n- and I never forget, actually, and I shouldn't. Lee was there. He came, He was with me all the time. And then I was having the DNC the next day and I said to him, look, go back to Cork. I'll be fine. And I shouldn't.
1: Yeah. Why do you think you said it? Because that's what I do. Okay. I'll be fine. I can do this. I'm on my own. Absolutely. And actually, fortunately, I didn't have to have the
0: DNC. I ended up um, passing the baby that morning. Yeah. Which was a nice thing because I hate going under. Yeah. And then I suppose after that, I just went, right, off we go again. Okay. Let's do it. Got pregnant first time. Okay. I was probably about six months, I suppose, afterwards. And then... um, lost that one quite early on within the first two months okay and we had seven experiences like that but every experience was completely different
1: yeah well cuz there comes that added hope that added pressure and i'm really positive yeah so every time
0: was the time yeah where on yeah so i never ever questioned it and I actually, to this day, I loved it. Yeah. I loved finding out. That excitement. Oh, my God. It's the best thing ever. Yeah. And I suppose when I got to, like, the um, third one, then I went and saw people and I was like, "But well, there's definitely something wrong with me. Yeah, what's happening? And the first person I went to just went, um, you're old and fat, what do you expect? Basically. Yeah. And Lee nearly decked him. A doctor? A uh, doctor. Uh, yeah, a guy. Eh? Wow. And then I went to another clinic and they were like, look, you, the problem is you don't need IVF because this... You you're know, falling the, pregnant. You're falling pregnant, etc. And at the time they didn't take AMH levels into account. Okay. It didn't exist. I don't
1: know what an AMH
0: level is. So an sorry. AMH level is the quality of your eggs. Okay. So n- this never came up at all. Okay. Whereas now they use this. Okay. So anybody that's thinking about it... Or thinks, mm. should I start, go, just go and have your AMH levels done. Because it will give you a guide. Yeah. Um, so basically, we started doing everything kind of IVF without the IVF. Okay. So the minute I started, I was like, right, we're going to try this month. So they'd start injecting me with hormones. Then I'd find out I'm pregnant. Then we'd kick it in. Okay. And so we were thrown
1: pedestrian, everything
0: yeah. at, at each of the pregnancies.
1: but To try and keep the pregnancy. To try and keep
0: the pregnancy. Okay. Because I had no problem getting pregnant. Yes. Like literally first time every time. Yeah. Um, which was very frustrating. Yeah. You know, so I was like, there's just no it's answer.
1: Ex- exhausting, this whole well, cycle absolutely. is
0: so I mean that went on for you know, I, I was preg- i I literally was either trying to get pregnant or pregnant. Or losing a pregnancy. Yeah. Trying to oh, get over pregnant. Over the space
1: of how many years? Like eight
0: years. Wow. Seven seven, eight years. What am I now? Yeah, forty eight, seven, eight years. Yeah. And
1: does it become
0: Consuming. Oh my God, consuming. Like even like my businesses were growing. Yeah, but I wasn't really there. No, you know, like sometimes people would think. something I remember actually somebody saying to me recently, "What's the end goal?" And I went, "Surely it's the same for everybody, happiness." Yeah. And she went, "But what is it? Is it money?" And I went, "Oh God, no." I said, "We we don't earn a load of money. Like, but yeah. but what we do, we have experiences with." You know, I, I don't go shopping. I don't buy myself designer bags. I don't do all that stuff. That doesn't float no. my boat. But spending the weekend with Lee floats my boat. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Having the crack and, and we can do it on a couple of hundred quid. I'm really good. Yes. Um, and, um, and she went, do you know what? I'm really sorry, but I really got you wrong. I thought it was that you were always driving for money. And I said, no, the problem is I always were driving for the baby and that was costing a lot of money. Okay. I had no choice. You know, at one point I was running a magazine. I was selling Stellar and Dot. I was teaching Pilates. I was working part-time for a mate doing their books. It just was all-consuming. I had and one goal. And that was all to fund this? All to fund that. Yeah. Okay. Like, we, we, there was nothing. It wasn't going anywhere else. Yeah. And At this point, just
1: logistics-wise, mm, had you moved to Cork by this yeah, point? So,
0: after the second I'd moved down to Cork, I said yeah. to me, look, I'll sell my business. And I was fortunate enough to sell my petitions because it wasn't a good time. Okay. Um, I was very fortunate there. So I'd moved down and we were renting down here. Um, but again, I think after like the third one, yeah. I started protecting. He d- he was like, this is it. Stop. Yeah. Finish. He didn't want to watch me go through this torture. So I then started pretending it wasn't torture. Okay. Because otherwise I wasn't going to get what I wanted.
1: Yeah. And then
0: eventually I said, look, I had my AMH done. And it was like, forget it. Like just shit eggs, so I just said I, I need to go to Spain. Um, I'd actually helped an, another friend of ours who'd never been to a doctor even, and they would, and never questioned whether they'd have babies. I suppose, and I started having these conversations with them. She's like, "I think I need to go and," and I introduced her to my doctor, and then they had a beautiful little girl. And I was like, "This is possible, okay?" So through she she got Agdoma. that through, right? Okay, so I went off to Spain. And I was like, "This is amazing! I'm gonna have this like beautiful young Spanish girl's eggs. This is fabulous. Why doesn't everybody do this? This is amazing." And first try, got pregnant. So I was like, "This is amazing. This is everything. Now this is nothing can go wrong." (sighs) So at thirteen weeks, I find out that she has um, major foetal abnormality. Okay. Which was the worst and so unfair. Yeah. Like I'm all about being fair and it just wasn't. No, not after all that. And it was before the yes vote. Yeah. So I had to get myself on a flight and I had to terminate the pregnancy, (laughs) which was just horrific. Yeah. But there is a funny story behind it. (laughs) So I w- I went to Richmond to a clinic, and you know what? Like, it it's just the whole thing is just unfair. And I believe in fairness. And I believe if you work hard at something, you should get a return. And I never got the prize. And that's what pisses me off. Yeah. And Mother Nature's crap. Like I just can't stand her. But I shared my story a couple of years back before I went for the egg donor, and. The outreach was unbelievable, and so many people thanked me for talking about miscarriage. Mm. I was just like, "We should just talk about it because it's not a secret. No, and it happens to Everybody, so many people. Oh my god, I don't know anybody that it hasn't happened no. to. Um, and I, you know, I always say, every time it happens, it's never the same. Yeah, every time it happened to me, it affected me differently. Um, but people say stupid things like, "What, what week? don't ask that no. fucking question because doesn't make it doesn't difference. make a bloody difference. Because that, um,
1: that the excitement, joy. that joy and yeah.
0: everything, it doesn't make a difference, do you know what I mean? And mine were different every time, every time. But I, I I found they put me in touch with this clinic in Richmond to go and do the termination. And luckily I've got friends over there. And again, I, we worked together, me and Lee. So he couldn't come with me. There was no, no choice, to yeah. be honest. And I wanted it done. Yeah. And then the hospital around me said, Look, do you want to just double check on everything? If you hold on to, I think it was 16 weeks or something, we can do. Um, Amniocentesis? Uh, yeah. yeah. So just to double check, there's nothing wrong with her eggs as well. So I was like, OK. So then. That was the worst hope. Yeah. Yeah. Because. But also, well, for me, then it's an alien body. I'm like, I. Oh, it was just horrible. And like people will say things like, Is there nothing? Can you not go through it? And then. Is there something you can do at the end? No. Be- my baby hadn't formed. So the body hadn't closed. Okay. And there was fluid from the head t- all the way down. And the, the external fluid had disappeared. Yeah. So it was just sitting in nothing. I don't know. Like, it. Sh- she probably would have passed in me. Yeah. Um, But I couldn't. I just couldn't do it. No. But I, I, I went over to Richmond and met my friends the night before and I said, I just need to have a drink, actually. If I'm mm. going to do this tomorrow, I just feel sick. And and my friends were great and we went for a drink. And then they left and I thought, I'm going to go up to my dad's pub. And I sat in the garden. And I had a brandy, which was my dad's favourite drink. And I had a little chat with him. Yeah, And then I was alright, because he told me to shut the fuck up. So... <laughs> But the next morning, I felt a bit hanging, and I went to the uh, to the clinic, and there was all these anti-abortion people outside the clinic, and God. there was a couple of young girls, and they were very upset, and I got very angry with these women, and I was like, you know, you have to stop this. It's fucking ridiculous. They've no idea of anyone's no story. No idea of the story. No. I was disgusted. But then, so they put you into, uh, they give you these injections. They put you into. It's like pneumonia. You get, is it pneumonia when you? Oh no Sh- hypothermia. Uh, yes. Okay. Oh my God, horrific. So the first thing this woman says to me is uh, you know, you can't have this procedure done. Um, have you had a drink in the last 24 hours? And I went, Oh my god, I did actually. I said, because I had a couple of drinks last night. And she went, Oh, it's all right, if it's just a couple. And in my head I'm thinking, I think I had a bottle of wine. <laughs> and god. I definitely had two brandies. And she Like You're probably also thinking, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. And she went, Oh, you'd be great. So they put you into hypothermia. So I'm trying to ring my phone. Friend. my friend's ring me saying, Are you okay? And I'm like, <laughs> It was hysterical, <laughs> and then I'm there from like nine o'clock, and it's like coming to lunch, and I'm like, I mean, is they ever going to do this procedure?" I, I was shaking. I must have had twenty blankets on me. I was like, "This is crazy." So then they take me downstairs, and as they put me in the room, before you go in the room, uh, and I never forget because um, oh, um, I've got this feeling inside my bones. Yeah, who sings that song? Justin Timberlake. That was playing. Yeah. And the doctor comes out and he goes, oh, who put this one down before my lunch? So I just sat up and I went, right, you're not touching me with that attitude. It's not happening. And you can turn that music off as well, because that's my favourite song at the moment. I don't want this memory. Yeah. I said, what are you talking about? And he, he just looked, I think he thought I was under. And he just looked, he said, no, 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 you're fine. You're absolutely fine. I went, if you damage me at all, I swear to God, I'm coming back to get you because I've got three <laughs> eggs in Spain. You damage me at all. <laughs> And he was like, oh, my
1: God. All right. Mental one.
0: <laughs> anyway, had the procedure, came home, and straight away was like on the phone to Spain, coming back. I shouldn't have gone. No. So soon. Do you, do you, so no break, no grief. Like a month. I'm yeah. just, I'm on a mission. Yeah. And I went back and it didn't work. And I went back again and it didn't work. And I went back a final time and it didn't work. And each time I said, look, if it doesn't work, that's the end of it. And Lee would just be like... Whatever, Sean. Um, but I didn't mind the not working. I really didn't mind it. Why? Because it didn't hurt me.
1: Okay. It was worse to... Yeah. It wasn't a bereavement. It was yeah. just disappointing. Yeah.
0: Okay. But I just made the decision. I was coming up to 45 and I just said... "We To be honest, financially, we just couldn't... Like, it was... We couldn't anyway. And to be honest, physically, I couldn't anyway... I'd been pumped with so many drugs for so many years. I didn't. I actually didn't even know my own self anymore. No. And then, yeah. So, so then we just Did, made the decision. That's it. And does there, Does that? Is there peace that comes with that? Is there a moment where you... it's a really weird piece? A really weird piece. It's like I'm not going to be knackered anymore. Yeah. But I have to find another outlet. Yes. And and just so luckily. I have amazing nieces and nephews. They're just all amazing. But I just, my youngest niece, uh, well, not anymore, actually. My second youngest niece, she's a bit mad. Like, she's just crazy. Annabelle, she's just like, she's on it. She always has been. Um, and I was just like, I, I get why she feels like that. And I was starting to feel like myself again. And that's what I just kept looking at. And I was just like, everybody, actually, I'm at peace. I'm at peace where I'm at, because lots of people were like, Do you want to foster do you want to do this? No, I never wanted, I I just wanted what I wanted. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I'll never do that, by the way. Okay. Because it's still in me. Yeah. And um, and if it helps others, then but I just at the moment, do you know what? We so I made a decision to get married. And we said, Do you know what? Let's just celebrate. How long had, so you'd been together? S- Eight uh, nine years uh, more eleven years oh, eleven years okay and then obviously we, so we'd made a decision like okay that's it and I said then we need to have a party yeah um I'd put the wedding off for your just in case yeah the miracle happened um and we did we just had a party which wow. we paying for for another fucking five years <laughs> New Year's Eve <laughs> New last year. year last year wow and it was amazing. Um, And so since then I made the promise that life is about us and about travelling, about discovering new things. And so last year we went away for a weekend every month and we're going to continue it. And it might not be every month now because that was honeymoon. But I've booked three trips already for next year. Um, And we go into work and we work hard. And then we have the weekend off and we enjoy each other. And I bumped into a friend actually the weekend. And she said, you know, she's, I'm perimenopausal, so it's great, actually. So it took about two years for my body to feel like mine again.
1: And, and then, then my hormones starts. went all over the shop without having an injection. It was amazing. And there's somebody I once spoke to who said, the next thing Lord will send you is a beard.
0: Oh, I don't. I think I'm getting the Ronnie on my left-hand side. My husband calls it my unicorn. I have one hair that grows out oh, the left God. side. of Now everybody that meets me now is going to look at the left side of my mouth. I have this one hair that grows. It's C2, by the we way. All, I think we he's all like, all that's one your unicorn. He's like, could you ever get rid of that? I was like, you'll have to get it. I can't even see it. But yeah, so yeah, so the minute you g- you think you're getting back to normal, um, yeah. Mother Nature comes back and goes, hello, no. I'm back. Don't and forget I'm, about me. Actually, I am the original <laughs> wanker. <laughs> and now I'm really going to fuck with you because I'm going to make you forget everything as well.
1: I'd <laughs> sweat loads. And oh my God, the
0: sweat. Someone said to me, I think I had a hot sweat. And I explained explain it to me. I went, no, 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 love. That's just, no, nah, no. Nah. That's just sweating. That's just sweating.
1: <laughs> Where did Bebel come from in amongst all this? So it of this?
0: literally is. Um, I just started feeling fantastic again, and I was like, and I was just talking to women all the time that didn't, and I was like, I've, I feel like I've gone the full three hundred and sixty. Yeah, and you know, I always say to people, I'm holistic, but I'm not that holistic.
1: Yeah,
0: I just believe like when I was growing up, mindfulness was being kind. Mm. And we were bred that way. yeah. So we that was being mindful. You know, wellness was looking after yourself, You know, there's all these keywords that people use now and they're trendy and mm. everybody jumps on them. And I'm just like, I'd rather just be kind, yeah. be happy, be positive, be strong, be supported. Yes. And I start thinking of all these words that were really important to me. And I kept looking at Annabelle, who was that person. Mm. Because actually when people say to Annabelle, you're amazing. She goes, Thank you very much. <laughs> I am amazing. There's a little video actually on Instagram. It says, um, I'm happy birthday to me. I'm five. I'm fabulous. Uh-huh. But she means it. Like. Yeah. And and little, she's got a little turn in her eye and she wears glasses and she doesn't care. Like she's just giving it socks. But it's because she believes everything people say to her. Yeah. I went into Sam McCauley's this morning and a woman said to me, Shan- I go in there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and she's, Shan, oh, she looked like you'd lost weight. And I said, do you know what? I've not lost a pound. And I went, do you know what, though? I'm going to shut my face and say, thank you so much. I'm going to take that, receive it, enjoy it,
1: and I shall see you later. And maybe I'll wear my hair down more often. Because why do we do that? Why Why do we do the the whole, oh, it's only pennies? Yes, absolutely. Oh, no, I've only just lost weight because I'm sick, or whatever it is.
0: Absolutely. Belittle it. I'm just like, so I wanted to bring how I feel, which looks like Annabelle feels. Yes, and spread it around. And spread it around. <laughs> and so initially I was like, well, how am I going to do that? And I'm like, well, I, you know, I work in the fitness industry and I never have clothes. So I was like, I really would love to bring out a range for larger ladies um, to make them look as shit hot as they feel and, and everything else. And obviously we got this program with RTE, Strictly Business. Sonia yeah, where Lennon. did that come from? That came through Network Cork. Okay. So I'm part of a network and one of the girls in Network Cork said, Sean, I've seen this opportunity. I think it's right down your street. I remember you saying this to me about sports bras and blah, blah, blah. why don't you do it? And I went, you know me. It's great timing by the way, as you are organizing the wedding. Mm. And I went, Yeah, let's let's do it. So I did it. And actually what transpired from the TV programme was that it wasn't about clothes. That it, it was, was actually about how we feel. Yeah. And that wanting to be part of a community and wanting people to accept us and, and want, see us. and, and see yeah. us and, and 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 so everything in life for me is about how you feel. Mm. And so we set up the the online channels, and then we just started doing some community-based stuff like Ember and Walk Thirty by Thirty, yep. and just all these amazing people just said, "I like this space. Yeah, I want to be here too."
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then someone said to me, "Do a podcast, Sean. You can meet amazing women." I said, "What's the podcast?" <laughs> <laughs> I actually did. I didn't yes. have a clue what a podcast was. I just oh, went, yeah. We we'll give it a go for
1: you to listen to. Then well, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I hadn't listened to a podcast till about. Uh, till you started doing one? Oh well after i well oh. after <laughs> and do you know what actually because someone said to me listen to a few and i said no i won't actually I'll, I'll listen to a few after i've done a few yes so i just got like three of my closest mates to do the first sort of three with me yeah so i was comfortable and then t- and now now i'm not even doing it now i'm inter- being interviewed how weird i know <laughs> but um
1: yeah i've got a few random questions for no, you okay. okay if i said the highlight of your life what would it be
0: Meeting my husband, I'd say. And winning Business Woman of the Earth, Cork City. Oh, there you go. Um, for emerging business. I'm very proud of women in Cork. I'm very proud of women in business. Mm. Um and to win that from my peers was amazing.
1: Fabulous. If you gave any advice to your younger self, don't pull that face. <laughs> what are you doing? I still feel twenty one, so do yeah, you know if what? you looked back at you know, the sham the we were talking about earlier. Yeah.
0: I'd say be more like me now mm. but you don't know what you're going to turn into do you I think I can on my hand on my heart I can say I've always been fair and always been kind um but I was shocking with money but that's probably as well because I thought it was the milky Bell kid do you know what I mean give me yeah. two glasses of wine and buy in the whole pub a drink <laughs> Actually, my husband's the same. When we first met, I was like, We've got no money because we just keep buying everybody around. What's the, what's wrong with <laughs> what us? Are we doing? But we're just stupid. So, but but we enjoy it. We're short pockets, long, yeah. long, you know. So whatever
1: that's say. So yeah. <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> um, uh, oh I said that question. Oh, death row meal. What would oh your my death God. row meal be?
0: This is easy. So prawns in garlic with bread, mm. a Welsh cake to drink I'd uh, Mm. this is a hard one because I'd all always have drank white wine I've never drank spirits or lager or anything I've always drank white wine but recently I've really got into reds Mm. so I think we go prawns and garlic plate of cheese Welsh cake and a beautiful bottle of organic merlot
1: oh nice
0: yeah that would be it like that oh
1: I'd go happy Something you do every morning.
0: Move. Up.
1: There you go. Stretch. Yeah,
0: move. So important. There's six ways you can move your spine. Mm-hmm. Just do it first thing in the morning. Just set you off. Fitbit was the best thing I ever did. I move more definitely with it. It yeah. makes me accountable. I need someone to make me accountable. Um, but yeah, move.
1: And brush your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Something we don't know about you. Last one. And then we'll go to the bowl. Oh my God. Something you don't know about me.
0: Oh God, I don't know. I'm so open. I don't keep
1: many secrets. Yeah, what what would you be a party trick?
0: Oh my well, Big Spender is my is my karaoke song and mm. strictly the best, um Tina Turner. Um yeah, a few glasses of wine, Big Spender. I think I'm Shirley Bassey.
1: it's the Welsh in me. <laughs> um and I I'm a great tap dancer. Well there you go. See I'm, yeah. Nobody knew that. Right. There you go. <laughs> Okay.
0: Random bowl. I can't believe, what's the time?
1: I've got to get a flight. Oh my God, I actually do have to get a flight.
0: Uh, what would be, oh my God, what would be your last meal? Oh, we've oh. done it. Brilliant. And favourite group and why? Oh shit, everybody knows this, I think. So I'm, I'm just madly enough for Gary Barlow and take that. They are the music of my life. Oh. Um, and yeah, I will just love them. I loved him when he was bleached. White hair and I love him today. Have you met him? I no, I haven't met him. He did shake my hand twice, once at a concert and yeah, I didn't wash the hand As for about he was a week.
1: Screaming, leaning over the As barrier. he walked <laughs> past
0: me. And then I did go to the London Palladium last year and I was front row and I actually could have physically grabbed his shin, but I don't know why I didn't. I was just des- I was <laughs> you'd have been arrested. <laughs> well apart from that.
1: Anything else you want to share?
0: No, do you know what? Just like I live in a lovely space now and I just think everybody has rubbish to go through. I think it makes you, and I don't think it's what you go through. I really do think how it's what how you deal with it yeah. is makes the difference. Um, and yeah, just be be kind to each other. It's so well, and most importantly, be kind to yourself. That inner voice is so important. You know, I quite often introduce myself as Hi, I'm Sean I'm forty-eight, and I'm hot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because if I say it first, they don't need to mention it. <laughs>
1: Shan, thanks for being a guest on your own podcast. I love
0: it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Steph, you're amazing.